You're listening to Ants Talk. Edward John Eastwood had been in jail for an abduction of a teacher and six students five years earlier. And on this day in 1977, he was about to attempt a similar abduction. One that my guest was a part of. Lorraine McKenzie was one of nine children who together with their teacher were abducted by the prisoner fugitive driven until a car crash, imprisoned overnight at a remote pre-set up campsite and then survived a police pursuit, a shootout, before finally being rescued. I'd like to welcome my next guest, Laureen McKenzie. How are you, Laureen? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on to the show. Your story absolutely fascinates me. (laughs) (laughs) It does sound a bit like something out of a movie when you start to tell people about it. They go, it just sounds too, you know, unbelievable to be true, so... Well, it's funny. I mean, I've got a really, I've, I've always loved reading about crime and all that sort of stuff. Like it really does truly fascinate me. I mean, I would have loved to have been an investigator or something in another life. Um, so this sort of stuff, I mean, I just, it's just about the psyche of the mind of someone that would actually go and do this. That's what absolutely fascinates me, you know? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So yep. can you tell me, Tell us about your childhood before this happened. Um, so I guess I'm the eldest of four children and, um, you know, my parents are, you know, we lived on a farm in country Victoria. So, you know, very sheltered um, life, I guess, yep. you know, uh, way before technology and all those sorts of things. So very basic yeah, so ride our bikes to school a couple of kilometres, my um, my brother and sister and I, um, and, you know, a tiny country school that we went to that only had, you know, when I first started going there had maybe 20 children, but in 1977 there was only nine of us, so obviously a lot of great one-on-one attention from our, from our teacher, um, but a very close-knit community too, like all the families, you know, socialised together and... Um, everyone knew each other. So, yeah, just a very normal, back in those days, normal sort of country upbringing, I guess. Well, it's funny. I mean, even with me, I mean, I grew up in Queensland and, um, I mean, I was, I suppose you would call where we lived and everything sort of, you know, sort of out of suburbia. But even back then it was so different. I mean, it really was different. I mean, our classes, I think the maximum in each class was 30 children. And I mean, when you really think about it, like that's not a lot of kids. Do you know what I mean? Even back then, like it's really not a lot of kids. So it really was for listeners that are young out there and are listening to this podcast, it really was different times. It was, um, so I can imagine what sort of impact this day had on you. So what I was going to ask is what, um, how did the day start for you? So it was just a normal day. Um, you know, we, uh, you know, normal routine, get up at home and ride our bikes to school. Um, Mum and I had had a little bit of an altercation about what I was going to wear. <laughs> <laughs> so that proved to be a little bit problematic. So later how old were you at the remember. time? I was 10. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, wanting to wear the proved- miniskirt, yeah. No, well, hardly, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, she couldn't remember what I was wearing because we'd had this discussion earlier in the Isn't morning about, about what I was going to wear to school. So, yeah, we, we got to school in the morning, just sort of started as normal. It wasn't until about sort of when we were due to have our first break of the day at 10.30-odd that um, 
yeah, everything sort of changed when uh, we were all let out to go for recess and uh, Mr Eastwood appeared. Wow. And what were your thought, first thoughts? Um, so what, 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 how did he sort of appear? He just sort of, because we were allowed to go out and play outside, so it's very rural and a yeah. big, this little school um, schoolhouse was on quite a big block of land, like, you know, you know, huge, like a big housing estate would sure, be now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were allowed to go out and, you know, play and run around and have something to eat. But he sort of just herded us all back inside as everyone was sort of heading out and came in. And I think um, our teacher, Mr Hunter, initially he thought it was a friend playing a, a joke on him. Yeah. Um, so we were sort of weren't too distressed initially because it just seemed like it was a little bit, you know, Staged unreal. Or yeah, a little bit. It wasn't until he started to sort of chain us up one by one and that sort of thing that it sort of became apparent that it was a little bit more serious, Um, particularly for us older kids, yeah. Yeah. So when when he first appeared, he didn't have any sort of uh, like a weapon or anything like that? Um, A gun, yeah. Oh, so he did right at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And what were, uh, I mean... I know that probably now that would be a huge slap of reality in our faces, but at 10 years old, I suppose you've never seen a real gun. You'd probably assume it was a play gun almost, you know? Yeah, a little bit. It did seem quite, yeah, unreal, like I said before. And um, I think for some of the old, some of us older kids that were sort of like, you know, 10 and 11, um, we we understood that it was a little bit serious, but the younger yeah. kids just had no sort of idea no what idea. was going on initially. What would have been the youngest child that was with you at the time in the group? Um, so my brother was one of the youngest and he was six. Wow. What an age yeah. to see that sort of stuff. Boy. Yeah. And yeah. so what, tell us about that. So he, he basically handed, like rounded you back to take you back inside. And I believe yeah. that, you, you know, it, this, it, this went on all day and night correct? It did, yes. So initially um, when we got inside, he um, had this really long um, dog chain Um, and so he he, um, chained all of us kids up and had padlocks, so chained us all our hands up in a big row on this chain and he um, had a Dodge, back then it was an old sort of Dodge utility that had a a built-in canopy on the back. Yeah. Um, He he put all of us kids into the back of the ute. Um, And Mr Hunter, he put um, masking tape across his hands and uh, across his face and tied his hands up and put him in the front of the ute with him. Um, Mr Hunter had been, you know, aware enough to pull the... uh, the electric cord out of the the clock so that people could see what time the clock stopped inside the school. Um, But the Mr. Eastwood had put a sign on the door to say we'd gone on a nature walk and we'd be back at 3 p.m. So this is 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. So it wasn't until later in the day, yeah, that, you know, when we're quite late from this supposed nature walk that sort of the alarm was raised Um, and by then we were well and truly, you know, a long, long, long way away. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, and what what do you could uh, recall of the other people, like their reactions and stuff? Because oh, I know that further I mean, down the track there was, um, so from what I've read and what I've seen, because I did a lot of research, trust me. Um, <laughs> so what I learnt was he, he basically left with all of you in tow 
um, and then uh, crashed the car or the van. Um, and then someone, I think, stopped to try and help or the other car he crashed into. Is that correct? They tried yes, to help so and then they were also then abducted. Yes. Yeah, he ended up with the whole whole range of... Uh, Collection of people. <laughs> of people in tow. So there was all of us children and Mr Hunter and then we did crash into a log truck. So we're in sort of country Victoria where it's quite windy, the yeah. roads, uh, crashed into a log truck. Um, so he took the two gentlemen from that log truck uh, hostage and took all the chains off us kids to, to chain the men up. Right. Um, and we were just sort of sitting in on the side of the road. There wasn't anywhere to go. We were in the middle of nowhere. And then another log truck came along. So he took the two gentlemen out of that log truck hostage as well right. um, and, and changed them up. And then after a little while, two, I say old ladies, came along in a combi van that was... <laughs> But, you know, they're, they're the age that I am now, so that's, you know, not so old. <laughs> um, and so took them hostage and put us all into this combi van that was um, sort of modified into a camper van and took us to the to the camp that he had pre-prepared in the wow. bush. And there ended up being like something like 16 of you in the van or something, wasn't yes. there? Yes, yes. How squashed was that? Very squishy, yes. I bet you would have all been literally sitting on top of each other. It would have been Pretty crazy. Much, yeah. And so the, the, the preset camp he had, um, did like a, as the day went on, I mean, what, was he saying anything? Was he explaining the situation? Was he explaining his not, reasoning? Not really. Like what, what sort of emerged when we were at the camp is that he had, um, you know, his ex-wife I think had been a teacher and right. so he had a real, um, you know, a bit of an axe to grind in terms of the education department and also the commissioner of police, Mick Miller. So obviously not a very stable, you yeah. know, a very stable mindset. But, yeah, that he, he didn't really interact with us much. There was a lot of, you know, the men were trying to engage in conversation. Um, but, yeah, he, you know, just with the gut, we were just scared. You know, that's probably the, the biggest thing that I remember most is that sort of paralyzing fear because of the the, the gun. Mm. Um, so, you know, you just didn't know how he was going to react if you were speaking and that sort of thing. So we were all fairly subdued as, you know, us kids. Yeah, yeah. And how long did this all last for you in, in total? So, yeah, so he, um, I guess it was sort of early afternoon by the time we got to the campsite. Um, and he, he changed the men to a big tree around the, tr a tree. And, um, when it was time for us to go to sleep, one of the men, uh, pretended that the chains were too tight. I remember so this. Yes. Yeah. So during the night he escaped and it wasn't until sort of we woke up in the morning that Eastwood realized that he wasn't there anymore. So then he piled us all into the van um, so yeah, it was probably, you know, seven o'clock in the morning or something. Um, and they, once we sort of drove out and onto the highway near sale there, there were, you know, police cars everywhere. And that's when the big chase happened and a lot of shooting. Um, that would have been so they, scary. Yeah. When, when you think about it now, like in that moment, you know, obviously everything sort of feels like time sped up a little bit, but yeah. when you think about it now, um, yeah, a lot more scary in retrospect. <laughs> I mean, I suppose at that age and at that stage you're thinking, yeah, I'm safe, but at the same time you and I 
you know, in the age we are now, would think, oh, my God, we could have been shot at any stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even by just yeah. a, a stray bullet, you know? Absolutely. When you look at now, at the, you know, like the bullet holes are in the back of the combi and, um, yeah. you know, my little brother was sitting on the front seat. Um, he thought it was incredibly exciting. Yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> um, but he could have, you know, he could have turned around at any point in time and, you know, and grabbed one of the, the boys that were sitting on the front seat and, and um, you know, used them as a shield or anything yeah. could have happened really. Yeah. So it's best not to think about the what could have. So we no. incredibly lucky. <laughs> yeah, you are. So the guy that actually ended up going and getting help, was that one of the gentlemen from the logging trucks? The truck drivers, yes. Right. Yeah. God, yeah. that was what a saving Very grace brave. that was. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. to sneak away at night time and, I mean, you know, that's just incredible. To think, yes. like, you probably, especially in the dark, he wouldn't have had anything to see light-wise. No, it's not like today where you'd have a phone or something where yeah. you could use the light or street phone, lights so. or, I mean, things were very, yeah. very different back then. That's incredible. Very different. So yeah. what do you remember of Edwin Eastwood? Um... Just that he was, you know, he he's not an imposing, like he's not an imposing figure in terms of his build or anything. Um, it was more just that wielding the gun. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't say he was overly aggressive. Um, probably more so once, you know, he'd been shot. He was fairly verbal mm. <laughs> um, at the police. But um and, yeah, we're lucky to have the two ladies that are in the combi van to look after us kids. So, that, yeah. you know, I think that was, that was great because they, they sort of protected us kids a little bit from him. So, yeah. you know, they took on the mothering. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, so do you think that um, so at, at the age you were, did you realise he had mental issues or was it all you were just absorbing it all in? Yeah, no, not really at the time. I think it's more as time goes on and you read about, like yeah. to see the ransom note, for instance, that, that just is mind-blowing. <laughs> um, oh, I think I saw a bit of something about that too. Yeah, but oh, like all this, you know, a, a lot of people released from jail, you know, so many millions of dollars in, in US dollars, cocaine, <laughs> um, ammunition and guns. Um, wow. so when you see that, you go, you know, this person is, you know, Off, yeah. quite unbalanced. Um, but yeah, in that sort of, in that sort of two days or whatever, that, that period of time, it didn't, didn't sort of come across that way. Obviously when you think about it afterwards, obviously so, but mm. yeah. It's funny too, because I mean, I suppose, you know, I mean, I don't know, but he, he may have not only had the mental issues but also been affected with drugs at the time, especially if he's asking yeah. for cocaine and he's, you know, his threatening letter. Um, yes. And it's amazing to think even back then that this was happening because, you know, it still happens today, very similar situations in very, you know, similar circumstances. Yeah, it does. That's incredible. This is Ant's Talk. Did you think you were going to be safe? Um, to be honest, I don't remember ever thinking about us not being okay in the end. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really interesting now, 40 odd years later, the relationship that we all have with Mr. Hunter, like him being, you know, he was only nine days into his first teaching job. I know. And he was um, only 20 or something, wasn't he? 21 or something? Yeah. 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 
like my, I have children that age now, which I just think about having that responsibility for all of us. You know, I, f- I feel like we felt like he was still a bit of a protector. So, yeah. um, yeah, he between him and the and the two ladies, I I feel like yeah, we probably did feel like we were going to be okay. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. How were the adults <laughs> reacting in the situation? Yeah, well, I mean, the men were obviously trying to talk him around and that sort of thing, um, yeah. and the women just sort of doing the mothering piece and making sure we were all fed and there was lots of chocolate, I remember. <laughs> chocolate <laughs> for dinner, that's a bit of a highlight as a 10-year-old. Um, but, yeah, uh, I can't remember spe- specific conversations, but um, he wasn't that talkative, so. Yeah, interesting. What do you recall once the police were involved? Um, well, yeah, everything sort of like that whole day is a bit of a blur because we had to go, we went, we were all taken to the sale police station. I suppose you wouldn't um, have slept a lot the night before either because. Not really. And we weren't in a great state because in that drive where we'd been in the, you know, on that windy road the day before, because all of us kids were sort of laying down in the back of the van, that you know, we'd been vomiting and uh. that sort of thing. So, yeah, we weren't, you know, <laughs> we weren't pretty, um, but we had to spend the whole day at the police station so that by the time they took all our statements and that type of thing and, you know, our families were all waiting back at the school. So it wasn't until about 5 or 6 o'clock, you know, that next night until we went back, were driven back to the school. Mm. Um, so it took almost a whole day to process everything that needed to happen, um, obviously to talk to the adults more before we were all driven back in a big convoy back to the school and to our families and all the media were obviously there by then. It was, yeah, there was a huge crowd at the school. Mm. What was it like seeing your parents? Yeah, it was pretty emotional. Um I just can't imagine because me and my brother and sister are also involved. So yeah. I just can't imagine as a parent, you know, you know what they must have gone through. You know, not all the not not knowing what was going on. Especially and, three um, of your children, and there was only what nine of you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty emotional. And then you know, beyond that, obviously they were very, very protective and very. Um, you know, I, I felt like that was strict beforehand, but probably more strict afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is understandable. Of you know, course. it's a pretty. It's, it's, hmm. So, how, how do you think that? I mean, I suppose you don't know because you've never experienced the other side. But I'm wondering if if the experience sort of did give you a bit of a a, a closer bond with them. With mum and dad? Yeah, because you, at the same, you know, not only did they almost, you know, potentially lose three children, but yes. you guys could have lost your life and, you know, never seen them again. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm assuming that that bond, there'd be a different type of bond, but you wouldn't know because you haven't been on the other side. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. I mean, you know, obviously it was a very protected, you know, environment beyond the kidnapping, but... I think, you know, it's not something we've ever really talked about hugely. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Yeah. And I found it interesting because Mr Hunter released a book last year. I found it really interesting reading his book and from an adult's perspective how he was feeling and mm. everything he was going through, you know, just the stuff that us kids, you know, had no awareness of. Yeah. Um, 
That'd be an amazing yeah. read. Yeah. Yeah. And it took him a long time to, you know, I think it was quite a cathartic process for him. And, um, you know, he got permission from all of us before he moved forward and asked, were we okay with it? Yeah. Um, and it was very emotional. We hadn't all come together. Um, I didn't go to any of the reunions that have been happening over the years and I went to the book launch but still not all of us were there. So we haven't all been together um, ever since. But um, oh, it wow. is good. It's quite bizarre because our family moved away so a lot of the others still live in the same area and yeah. do see each other a lot. But, um, yeah, it's really interesting the bond that we have where other people just really understand. You can just talk to them there and they really get what it was like and what it was all about. Um I think when yeah. people, when a group of people have a shared experience of something especially like that, it's, it's undeniably different. Do you know what I mean? It, it's almost like, I mean, my family were already very, very close. Do you know what I mean? But my sister passed away at 42 and us all experiencing that because it was a sibling and not sort of a parent, which most people are used to, mm. it, it really did bring us closer. Do you know what I mean? Just that shared experience. And I think that we can all cast our minds back to that day as you would be able to with this experience. And yeah. you know what I mean? Have, the, have that sort of, sim- not sympathy, but the understanding of each other. And, and, and yeah. you know what I mean? The, the good and the and bad it, of each person. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, how we've all sharing sharing stories about how we've all um emerged like our parenting now that we're all parents mm, yeah how, how different things um different triggers and just the way you know we've we've all learned how to parent because of that experience now you know yeah. being protective and that sort of thing um it's hard to explain to, to other people but we just you know we just all do understand each other like you say it's quite quite bizarre yeah so what is your what uh, what is your parenting style these days? <laughs> oh, I'm the coolest mum ever. Are like, you? Like, like yeah, yeah, oh, I am. Good. Oh, I always had. I always felt like that sort of thing couldn't happen twice. Yeah, like yeah. you, you could live your life and be in fear of that sort of thing, but you know what are the chances of that sort of thing happening again? Yeah. I was involved, that branch that I managed as a, a bank manager when I worked for Westpac was was robbed. <laughs> ah. um, so that, that was a little bit bizarre that something like that would happen again. But, you know, I, I never, you know, I didn't wrap my kids up in cotton wool. Um, probably, I probably parent a little bit differently because I grew up in the, in the country, but not necessarily because I was involved in the kidnapping. Yeah. I think too, that regardless of what we go through in life, I think that, you know, the one thing that we always do have to remember is that we all learn our own lessons. We go through our own experiences and not one thing that we try and do is ever going to stop fate and destiny. It's just going to happen if it happens. And we yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, be ready for it. And if anything, you with your past experience would have a little bit better understanding if it ever cross touch and touching wood and that it never ever happens. But if it ever was to happen, at least you would have a bit of a foresight in it. Yeah, yeah. So, what would you tell others who may have ever or may ever find themselves in a situation such as this? Um. I think it's important, you know, as an adult, obviously you probably behave differently than as a child, but um, just to um, try and, you know, maintain a, a level of calmness, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and, and you know, be thinking quite, you know, trying to think quite rationally about what, what's happening and what, you know, what's panning out. 
Um, yeah, that's probably, and I'm, I'm fairly, you know, I'm fairly placid and quite logical in the way I think anyway. So, yeah. you know, that's sort of my default. Um, I'm not sure that hysteria, and I mean, everyone reacts. You just don't know how you're going to react in a certain situation until you're confronted with it, to be honest. Well, so true, yeah. everyone has that, you know, fight or flight or freeze sort of response. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess just trying to maintain. And at the end of the day, that other person, like Eastwood, you have to feel a little bit sorry for him because he is just a person just like us. Um and, you know, there's stuff going on for him that we don't have any comprehension of. But um, you have to feel a little bit sorry for people like that and have a level of, you know, compassion. That sounds odd, I know, but, you know, I just, that's the place that I will come from. I mean, I also think in those situations, I mean, it was quite evident that there were mental issues also. And, I mean, as we all know, especially more so these days, that a lot of those people don't have the control that we assume that they would. So we can't prejudge because we've never been in the situations ourselves. So no, um, absolutely. Who, who knows where his quite mind a, was at. Yeah. I'm quite a point you hear the backstory about people, like things sort of make sense to, um, and back then, you know, we didn't have the same awareness around mental health no. issues. So people didn't have the support that, you know, that's available now. So exactly. Um, yeah. And what, um, what are your thoughts today? Like, uh, <laughs> Do you think it's changed you in any way? Do you think that it's made you any different to what you were going to be turning out like? Uh, potentially. I guess, uh, you know, I, uh, I've actually been married four times. Wow. <laughs> and, and what's emerged over the last few years, I mean, all long-term relationships, but what has emerged is that um, subconsciously or unconsciously, I've chosen um, situations and, you know, life partners that replicate that um, situation that I was in with the kidnapping. Isn't that so, um, you know, probably delving a bit deeper, it's, it probably means that I have some really, like someone came into an environment where I should feel very safe yeah. and I couldn't trust that person. So that, you know, that's what's emerged for me over the last little while. It's taken a little while to get there. Yeah. Um, and it would seem like that's a logical, um, you know, conclusion to draw when you look at what the situation was. But, you know, it's taken me a long time to sort of realise and, and through lots of counselling and that sort of mm. thing. So so um, are you saying that you, you would be with a partner and have trust issues with them? Yeah, and I was also like in um, m- most of those relationships were abusive relationships right. physically and emotionally. So, um, And do you, you think know, that, do you think that, uh, I mean, you never foresee it and you can never sort of tell what a person's going to be like. No. So I'm assuming that, you know, that you've just had really bad luck with a lot of that too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have, but also, you know, what's, um, I guess what's mirrored in the relationships to, say, the kidnapping situation is that um, that paralysing fear. So when you're in yeah. a situation where you're, you know, you're in danger, um, that um, sort of like, too scared to move, too scared to react yeah. because you're not sure how that other person's going to react and, and what's going to I suppose from that too, it's allowing it to happen too because, you yes. know, we all have exactly. that choice. Yeah. Yes. That's so, so um, interesting. 
It is quite interesting. I find it more interesting the older I get. So yeah, um, and you know, I'm still learning all the time. Because yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a big believer that you know we, we we are all we're all carrying stuff from our childhood. You know, <laughs> whether it be good, bad, ugly, whatever, we're all doing it. Um, there's oftentimes I look at myself and think, where is that coming from? And if you dig deep and you look at yourself honestly, then you can really see patterns happening and re-emerging. Definitely. Yeah, that's true. Love a podcast? Love some Ants Talk. So um, where, is the, where is he now? Where is Edwin Eastwood? What happened to him? Um, he, went, he went back to jail. So he still, had, um, he still had a little while to serve from the Faraday kidnapping, the one that yeah. had happened, you know, a few uh, years before yeah. ours. And so I think he had like 17 years still left to serve. So even after we went back to court and um, he was charged with, you know, all the offences from having at 17 um, hostages. They added four years to his sentence. So he had 21 years to serve. Wow. Um, he did He did come out of jail and there was a rumour a little while ago to say that he passed away. He wrote a book apparently. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was in Pentridge in, in Melbourne. But um, I'm not sure if we've confirmed that he, he's still alive or not. Um, someone did say that he, you know, obviously had changed his name to protect his identity, but... Yeah, it's unconfirmed whether or not he's still with us. So he'd be, you know, quite quite old now, probably. So if you're listening. <laughs> Call home. Yeah, let us know so we can let everybody know. <laughs> too funny. I love it. Yeah. I love that you can still laugh about this too. It's amazing. <laughs> so after all of that, uh, this happened, um, as you said, some people moved away from the area, like yourself. Um, how many people from the initial day are still sort of around? Uh, the the men, the truck drivers, and also the women still? Um, so one of the women has passed away and one is still alive and she lives in Melbourne. Um, so all... what, they would be 60s, 70s now? Oh, no, in their 90s. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Muriel, she, she did come to the book launch, which was really lovely. She had a heap of photos that none of us had ever seen, so that was oh, really wow. interesting. Um, the truck drivers, one of them, so um, Robin, who escaped, he actually lived a life as a bit of a recluse, um, which is quite sad <laughs> because mm, um, Eastwood, had, Eastwood had said to him, you know, I'm going to find you, uh, yeah, you'll be sorry type thing. And so he spent he his whole fear. life. Yeah which is quite sad, and he'd been in Lightning Ridge and all sorts of, you know, out-of-the-way places. So um, uh, I'm not sure about the other other couple of truck drivers. They all lived, they sort of lived around the sale area and I think stayed there, and all the kids pretty much, the rest of the kids apart from my brother and sister, all lived sort of around the district still, um, yeah, down in Gippsland. So, Have you ever um, thought about writing a book about the day? Oh, my brother would love to. I, I am going. To, I am sort of going to write a book. It'll probably mention the kidnapping. Um, it'll be more so around relationships, but yeah. you know, and that this obviously touches on that. So, yeah, because now in my work, I help people in marketing that sort of thing, but it's very relationship based. So yeah, sure. 
Yeah. Well, if you're ever going to release it, let me know. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> we can do another chat about that. Oh, I love it. Yep. <laughs> so any final thoughts before I let you go? No, it's great to have the opportunity to talk about it. And to be honest, I haven't really um, spoken openly about the kidnapping, you know, until the past sort of, well, until I went to the book launch last year with Mr Hunter. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, think it's important to talk. I really do. Yeah, I no, mean, it has. It actually has. I didn't want to go to the book launch and my dad sort of said, I think it would be great for you to go and encourage me to, to go. And um, it, it, it was. It was great to see Mr Hunter. Very emotional. I hadn't seen him. Um, but... Yeah, it's um, you're right. It is a cleansing process, and good to talk about these things. So. And I think it also is too that you, you know you you've got to really realize that for someone like me looking at your story, I mean, to you, it's your life you lived it. Where for someone like me, it's it's an amazing story, and it's one that you also survived. And you know, you not only should be very proud of yourself for even getting through it and getting to even this age, because some people you know, it affects them in all different ways, as you know. So, yeah. I mean, you, you've got to be proud of your story and, and, and be happy to tell it because you lived it and you, you survived it and, you know, you're doing amazing things with it. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I have started talking about a lot in my networking circles about, you know, the, the take on I have is that you can have things that happen in your life but you shouldn't let it define your life. That's right. Who you are. Exactly. You know, you can move beyond that. So some people let bad things define who they are. Um, and you know, I don't sort of want to be that person. So, um, no, I agree. More of a positive spin on it. <laughs> exactly. Well, Laureen, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your time. I'm sure the listeners are going to love this episode. I can't wait for them to listen to it. Um, but I just want to thank you again for opening up and sharing your story. It's absolutely fascinating. And I wish you all thank the best for the future. Thank you. Thanks thank for having you. me. No problem at all. I'll speak soon. Okay. Bye. Ants talk. It's like Oprah, but not.